Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Hi everyone, it's your host Caroline Pudner here. So with some children isolating at home, local lockdowns to manage and all the logistics and worry around this, COVID-19 is posing a real challenge for our school system at the moment and it's now a legal duty for schools to continue to provide remote learning for children who can't be in school due to the coronavirus. But what does this mean in practice, particularly for primary schools? Joining me today, I'm very excited to say I've got Melanie Moore with me, who's a curriculum director here at Cornerstones and author of the Cornerstones curriculum, who's been in both primary education and in an advisory role for over 20 years. So hi, Mel. Thanks for joining me today for this podcast. You're very welcome. It's lovely to be back. I know. Seeing you both face to face. I know. We're back in the studio here. We're all COVID secure, but it is it is really nice to be able to actually talk to somebody rather than just use the screens, which is actually what we're going to be Part talking, of what about. We're talking yeah. about today. So let's um let's dive in straight away and just ask it's quite a big question really, but what in your view, is blended learning. Do we even know what that means? It's interesting, isn't it? There's been a lot of talk about what what is blended learning. And actually, just been doing a little bit more research for this podcast and looking at the different terms that are used in different papers from different organisations. So I noticed that the DfE guidance will call it remote education, whereas Ofsted would call it blended learning. Some places call it home learning. So we've got lots of different terms being bandied about. Um, Blended learning actually is the interaction between home and school but it is particularly about that teacher interaction between teacher and child. Mm. I would probably prefer to use remote education because I think that's probably a better description of where we're at at this point in time. Okay so with it obviously sounds like it's evolving as well it's a it's been a steep learning curve hasn't it for so many of us in education but particularly those on the front line and for head teachers trying to sort of organize this and set this up I mean for them what do you feel they are having to or need to consider and have in place in their school in order to decide upon their blended or remote learning approach? That's a big question. <laughs> so that all I in like one, to all ask, in one ask go. them. Yeah. Um, well, let's just take the point about it's something new. Mm. I mean, schools have been thrown into this situation without really having any time to properly think about it. If you think about any other sort of great initiative that you put into school, Schools would work for a long time and and think things through and have time maybe to trial things before they put it into practice and have, you know, a proper long term plan and everybody would know their part in it and it would be managed properly. We've not had that opportunity to do that. Schools Mm. have been thrown into this. And I had to smile when I was reading... um, There was a letter from a head teacher on a school website and she was so frank saying, you know, we don't know at this point how to do this properly. You won't know how to do this properly. We're all finding our way and we all need to accept that. And I I agree with that wholeheartedly. So schools are in a very difficult position of being thrown into this. Having said that, I'm in awe of what the majority of schools have managed to put in place at such short notice. 
But there are obviously issues around training for teachers, teachers having time to plan and decide on their approach to home learning, making sure that there is a whole school approach, because if we don't have a whole school approach to this, then we're going to get disparity between year groups and between classes in year groups. And that's not going to help children in terms of curriculum coverage or seamless learning. So there's the whole issue of professional development and time for schools. And I think we just, well, we are just at the very start of this journey. So we need to keep that in mind when we're thinking about what we actually expect from our schools, from our parents and from the children themselves. So in terms of what schools need to have in place I suppose before they even start thinking about how they're going to deliver the remote education is, and then this is backed up by what Ofsted is saying, is making sure that you are really secure in your school curriculum, making sure that your school curriculum is well planned and well sequenced, because without that, it's going to be extremely difficult to know how to deliver that remote education when that need arises. So obviously, my first piece of advice would be to make sure that your curriculum is well sequenced and well planned and that you know what you are delivering, when you are delivering it across the year group and across the whole school, because that secure foundation is going to make everything else a lot easier. What's quite difficult for some schools is that they're partway through developing the curriculum. You know, not every school's curriculum is in essence complete. A lot of schools are sort of in a transition period when they're working on mm. curriculum. So that's also something that we need to consider. But yes, having a very well-planned and well-sequenced curriculum enables you to know what you need to plan and prepare in order for when the need arises, when children, in either individual children or cohorts of children, are working at home. And then what I would say from that, that means having very clear termly plans and having very clear weekly plans in place so that you can make that provision at the start of a term or the start of a week so that you're not scrabbling around or trying to find things at the last minute causing yourself unnecessary additional workload mm. when you put in that very difficult position when children are isolating or working from home. Yeah, I think that helps in terms of resources. If you've already got those linked to your curriculum, also you were saying about coverage. If you know where core aspects of your curriculum are going to be recovered in later projects or yeah. whatever, you've got that long-term yeah. view, then there's less stress on you thinking, oh my gosh, that group has not been taught that. But if your curriculum has that repetition and that sequencing, then you've Absolutely. got that, haven't you? I think that's really important. And to me, there seems to be a lot of scaremongering about you know, using phrases like lost generation and the COVID generation. And there will be some fallout from this. But actually, if you have a very well-sequenced and well-planned curriculum, it should be cyclical. Programmes of study are not only covered once in yeah. any one year group. So if we take Key Stage 2, for example, we know that let's think about aspects of history since beyond 1066. That will not only be covered in year three, but it will probably be covered in year four, five and six mm -hmm. as well. So maybe some specific content may be omitted, but the actual programme of study and the skill and other knowledge will be covered, which will address that programme of study. Yeah. So that's why having a very well-planned cyclical curriculum with repetition over time helps with that issue and the sort of the challenge of thinking that children will be missing out on key concepts. They don't have to because they can be revisited over time. Mm. So I think it's important for schools to realise that 
and to accept that we can't always be going backwards trying to catch up, but we do need to realise that those things are planned for in our curriculum yeah. going forward and will be addressed yes. in time. That that helps give them room to focus on core skills like reading, which is dropping off with some children. And from the Ofsted interim visits, you know, it seems very clear that many primaries are really trying to focus back on reading, which is obviously very hard if you've got children at home. And we can get on to advantages and disadvantages of this in a in a moment but yeah and at least that gives you a longer term picture actually can I ask you that Mel because there, there's obviously with every kind of situation in education there are advantages and disadvantages is something that so quickly had to be implemented and we're still learning about so should we start with the advantages you know what are the advantages of because I do see on social media I see really great examples of where schools are using say materials from cornerstones and adapting it for lessons they're sharing those with children and that that's been really successful are there any other advantages that you've seen I think one of the the great things that we've seen is the rise of sort of the creativity and ingenuity of primary teachers in how they are delivering their remote education and I think one of the other advantages of the situation that we're in is the absolute recognition of parents of the work that teachers do (laughs) and I mean there's so many um I mean, there's adverts even now that sort of say, and uh, when you watch the news, parents just glowing admiration for the work that teachers do. So I do think that has been an advantage of people understanding just how hard the job is. I suppose other advantages are things like it has given parents opportunity perhaps to get a little bit more involved in the curriculum in terms of what their child is learning at school Mm. and for children to be able to share and discuss and talk with parents about the work that they're doing. Yeah. And then I think there's been a sideline advantage, which is that it has meant that schools have become much more confident, I think in using technology certainly for things like professional development through the use of teams and zoom and communications in that way so I think there's some of the main advantages that I've seen yeah I mean I've I'm we're both parents, aren't we? And so is Dale here, who's our producer. We never get to talk I about Dale. I refer to Dale as <laughs> mystery person in the He's corner. He's our mystery man in the corner yeah. here. But we're all parents. Dale's got a very young child. You know, I've got two very different children. One who absolutely has loved learning at home and looking at the, the videos that teachers have created because she says she can look at them again and again until she sort of gets it. But the other child, totally different. She needs the interaction yeah. with the teachers. Have you yeah. found that as a parent? <laughs> is deep, this another podcast deep breath well I, I've got three boys so one's 14 one's 17 and one's at university and they're all I mean we're hopping off onto a parent sort of rant here yeah. but obviously the child that's at university his course is entirely remote learning my 17 year old who's in year 13 and preparing for his A-levels he's doing a mix of college learning and online learning and of course that's fine for him because he's independent and he can use technology very well and he's that way inclined he's he's quite happy to sit and work his way through something and then I've got a 14 year old who's quite different who um, likes to have my reassurance and support who really is not that engaged in online learning finds it boring and with him I've taken a very different approach you know we've done cooking we've done technology we've done reading we've done walking we've done some online learning but actually for him he's needed my time my parental support my engagement Mm. so what it's 
taught me is, whereas I thought he was a very independent learner at school, which he is, when children are at home, it's quite a different learning environment mm. and then their needs may mm. change. Mm. And also just thinking about, you know, parents who don't have teaching experience. Of course, yeah. Um, for whom some of the things that their primary age children are doing, they've never done at school, mm. who are not proficient in using ed tech. Mm. And then there's also the issues of teachers who are self-isolating at home, who may be expected to teach, but also have their own children exactly. at home. So, I know many like that. And it's, there's, I mean, actually, we've segued quite know, naturally. No, it's good. <laughs> we've gone into the disadvantages yeah. and one of which seems yes. to be obviously the disparity between children's engagement needs. their needs and then obviously you've got uh, yeah the abilities of parents to facilitate well I think the other thing as well and I found this too is that if you're a parent and you're working from home I'm looking at Dale as well because I know he's got a two-year-old and mm. which is even even more difficult you know there's an expectation on you to be home working and then you may have one or two or three children who are expected to be doing remote education the other disadvantages of course is the accessibility to technology yeah you know you may be a multiple child household with one laptop how good is your access to the wi-fi because when you're all pulling on wi-fi and you're all trying to use remote learning platforms that's yeah. Um, I've heard a real challenge. There are things available, like if any listeners have had this, but where you can get like booster, yeah, is it a dongle or whatever. And obviously, there's funding. The DFE mentioned that on their website. But in reality, maybe there's probably quite a lot of children still who aren't getting regular access or was, or suitable environment for really concentrating learning. And yeah, I think know. I was listening to Radio Two on the Jeremy Vine show, but it was saying there's over seven hundred thousand children who don't have access to online yeah. you know never mind the, t the hardware mm. that that's without wi-fi or internet mm. and, and yes the government there is money out there but again listening to radio five this morning there was a head teacher on there just saying it's that whole process of applying for the funding and then it's taking ages for the dfe or the government to sort of crank up that system and get those laptops out there and then you can't just plonk a laptop into a household and expect the child or the parent to be able to use that proficiently so mm. then you've got issues around mm. capabilities with technology yeah as well so the whole thing is fraught with challenges yeah and like I say we're right really at the start of this yes where we're all trying or schools are trying to figure out the best way to, to provide really good quality remote education. Yeah. I mean, we, we won't go into the details of it because I'm sure lots of heads will, will know about it. There's obviously safeguarding issues as well with live streaming. A lot of people don't want to go down that route at all for primary well, for obvious reasons. Uh, well-being of children, expectations on them. And we just we did touch on parents, but obviously there's the whole issue of staff as well and CPD for staff with using technology. Obviously, like you say, a lot of them have really been creative. I mean, one of the challenges is, you know, if you think about it, it feels different in secondary. And I'm just saying that from my own experience of my son, that because they're in bigger bubbles, when one child has symptoms or is tested, mm. the whole year group goes home and then you're dealing with a whole year group. My understanding and my experience is in primary it's less about the whole cohort going and working from home. It may be one or two children or smaller bubbles that are isolating and there may still be an expectation for a teacher to be teaching in school whilst at the same time having to provide mm. quality remote education for those children who are at home or self-isolating. 
And that's a, just an absolute minefield for, for schools and leadership. And, and uh, you know, how do you actually manage that? Mm. That's, that's a real sort of difficult issue for schools. That all sounds a bit negative, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> I'm just trying think, to say it. it's yeah. just so challenging. And there I think, are. you know, at the moment, officers are going into some schools, doing visits and having conversations about their provision. Mm. And I think the plan is at the moment in January to perhaps put in place more formal inspections. You know, are we, what position are we going to be in at yeah. that point with remote learning and curriculum development? So I think that may need revisiting by Ofsted because I think that's a really a big um, ask, high expectation of schools to be ready yeah. and have resolved this perfectly at that point. I'm sure we'll hear a lot yeah. more about that. You know, in terms of the many schools that use Cornerstones and also the online platform Maestro, you can use the tools and the content on that to deliver learning remotely. Would you be able to just describe some of the key ways you can do that? Because obviously like, there is no perfect answer yeah. at the moment, but there okay. are ways you can make it easier. So let's be a bit more positive and <laughs> talk about some solutions. Well, I think if you are using Maestro and you are using Cornerstones, you will have your curriculum in place and it will be well sequenced and well planned. A starting point for me, and all schools do this anyway because it is a legal requirement, is that they would publish their termly curriculum plans. So they will be on the school website. I think from that, if I were doing this, I would then have a weekly timetable uploaded for each class, which would show what I'm planning to teach, which subjects I'm planning to teach, and sort of a brief description of what that lesson would be about. And then it's about making provision either digitally or paper-based resources for those lessons that can be used by children if they are learning remotely yeah. and we've provided two ways of doing that first is digitally so anybody who's using maestro there's hundreds of resources which you would be using in your normal lessons teachers can download those and copy those they can share them if they're using teams or zoom by sharing their screens mm. so that's an option and then we're just working on some new home learning booklets which are a print option and they are to help deliver some of what is being taught in the classroom but also to enrich and consolidate too and those have a much lower I don't know what the word is requirement, uh, requirement <laughs> to use technology so it may say research or use an information book yeah. but for the most part they are things that children can do with a really sort of low access mm. to technology so what we're trying to do is give schools multiple options yeah. to either use digital materials or hard copy materials and as I say we're, we're developing developing all the time we're coming up with new ideas and trying to make sure that we can make it as easy as possible yeah. for teachers to provide that yeah for children well I've already seen you know a lot of schools who do use cornerstones like I said earlier they're using the lesson sequence narrative you know that's written into the yeah. curriculum I mean they can copy and paste they can adapt that and they're doing video versions of that so which is sort of, brilliant yeah I mean, I mean it works for the schools that are doing it they're using it as a guide and then sharing the, the video on their screen recording it and their resources like you say and so. the beauty of that is it is part of their planned and sequenced curriculum it's not at hoc and it shouldn't if their curriculum is well planned and it's set out then they are doing what they know they are going to be doing yes there's additional workload included that can't be avoided but we need to reduce that as much as we can and yeah. that's what we hope those two options yeah. do 
yeah. for teachers. The other thing that we're working on currently that hopefully we'll be able to put a link to from this podcast is a remote education policy which reflects any school that's using the Cornerstones materials. So we'll set out the expectation and the provision that we provide, but we'll make that editable so that schools can change that according to how they want to adapt and use the cornerstones materials that's perfect and the other issue is giving feedback to children isn't it mel yes which can be difficult um and i think there's different levels of that so if you're in a situation where you have one or two or a small group of children that are isolating or working from home you would probably do that through either email correspondence or I know some teachers are calling the parents and speaking to parents and speaking to the children about how their week has gone, how certain activities or learning has gone. Yeah. And on a small scale, that's manageable. Obviously, if you've got a whole cohort, so a whole class or a whole year group, that's much more difficult mm. to do that kind of interaction and feedback. So I've seen it done in lots of different ways. Sometimes it might be done via Teams or a Zoom call with groups of children. Other ways are to do, for example, a class feedback blog at the end of the week. So you might point out some things that people have been finding difficult or reiterate something or put some kind of reinforcement activities up or some consolidation mm. activities up that address those gaps or things that find that children have found difficult. I have a friend actually who's a head teacher of a large uh, secondary school and she, she does a head teacher's address at the end of the week. So she records herself talking directly to the children I mean, that's obviously on a, on a larger scale, but saying what they've done well, something which is a little bit more motivational about praising their engagement and the way that they're carrying out their remote learning. So there are different levels of feedback. And of course, probably one of the best ways is when the children come back into school, if they've been isolating or they've been off, that you actually give yourself time and the children time to talk about what they've learned, to revisit perhaps very quickly some of the key concepts and activities, maybe taking t time to mark work collectively um, rather than you doing that as a teacher on a one-to-one -one basis, you know, saying, let's go through this activity. What did you think? What was your answer? How could we improve it? So allowing time to build in that reflection and feedback when the children are in school, because of course, that's the best way to do it teacher to child face-to-face -face interaction so it's about giving yourself permission to do that before you move the learning on to the next thing fantastic and then of course the big question is about gaps we mentioned before that if you have a cyclical curriculum but maestro itself logs the lessons that you've taught yeah. and i think that's really key to say as well isn't it that if you're using maestro when you're covering things or when you're not covering things the system remembers that for you yeah there's um lesson taught button so if you know if as a teacher you can just click the button and it'll record who's been taught that who hasn't where your gaps are in your weekly or termly learning but it will also show you on the progression framework where you will have opportunity to revisit those programs of study or skills yeah. throughout the year and I think that's really good because that takes away that pressure of thinking oh my goodness I've got to go back and cover that because mm. we've missed it no, I don't because I know I'm going to be doing that two, three more times across this year group. I need to make provision for it at some point, but I don't need to go back. Yes. 
and fill in the gap yeah. that will be taught at this point in the year. Yeah, and I can imagine that's going to be helpful for the next year teacher because Maestro is a whole school yeah. platform. I know we're talking about Maestro, but yeah. it's important to say that if it's all logged, it means that, say, I'm a year three teacher, year two is when COVID was happening to those children. I can see what gaps still remain it's, and some are across a phase anyway. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you'd recover It's very them. important, obviously, for subject leaders yeah. and for leadership management when they're having those conversations and when they're monitoring the curriculum, yeah. they can see exactly where they're at in real time. Yeah. And that takes off a huge pressure and enables you to have those conversations about what children have done so far mm. and what they will be learning in the future and how they will be learning that in the future. Obviously, if you're interested in finding out more about how it does all that, you've got your curriculum there and the Maestro system keeps a track of it for you. Do get in touch and get in contact with us on Twitter, on social media. Let us know how you're doing it in your class on your school any questions that you've got let's keep the conversation going I was just going to say just be kind to yourselves because it's such an unprecedented time and we're all human and there's so much pressure on teachers on parents and on children themselves I think take a breath help each other and this is a really difficult time but we will get through it and everybody is doing a fabulous job providing the best that they possibly can for hundreds and thousands of children across the UK and they just wanted to say they're doing a brilliant job thank you from us here here i think that's a fantastic way to end the podcast as well and uh, yeah do take care thanks ever so much for joining us today until next time it's goodbye from us here thank you for listening to this podcast it was brought to you by cornerstones education we help primary schools in england wales and beyond with the materials and tools to design deliver and manage their curriculum Follow us on social media at cornstones.edu or visit us on our website cornstones.co.uk. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.